Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Brought to you, all like always, by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove and our good friends over at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. Uh, we go right back out to the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Welcome in YouTube sensation, Mr. David Land. David, how you doing, buddy? Doing wonderful. It was a fantastic month of May, and I'm sure we're going to be talking a lot about it. Uh, it's nice to be back on the final inspection show. I missed you guys. Yeah, I missed you too. Steve's not here today. He's out in Gateway at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame uh, getting wined and dined and enjoying that Iowa caviar, a.k.a. corn on the cob. So, uh, you know, while he's walking the red carpet, he's got me chained in the studio here, but... Uh, you know, I've been begging for help for 37 straight hours, but it's nice to actually have you on the phone because you bring a reprieve for me, David. Uh, what was the well, highlight of your time down in Indy? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I thought the race itself was one of the best in years, honestly. Uh, it really had an old-school vibe. Uh, you know, the the battle between Simon Pagano and Alexander Rossi, I mean, you had the storylines there. Pagano had dominated the race, and Rossi had been through so much adversity throughout the race. And, and I'll tell you, I mean, uh, you know, I don't want to sound biased or anything, but goodness gracious, I think Rossi is just – I mean, if anybody tuned into that race and wasn't an Alexander Rossi fan on the on the other side of it who didn't have a favorite driver before, I, I don't know what's wrong with you because he is just the most exciting thing about IndyCar racing right now. He's so aggressive, and uh, he's got such passion when he drives. He's really exciting to watch. And of course, he's on the pole for today's race in Detroit. But I think the other thing really to take away from it was the um, – was the failure of McLaren. I mean, it was, the more I think about it, uh, I think it may have been worse than the Penske bump in 95. And I think a lot of people thought that that could never be topped. Well, I think it may have been topped this year because that was just spectacularly awful to watch kind of unfold. Yeah, it was. And then, you know, the articles come out about how embarrassing uh, their program was run for the, you know, for a long time. Uh, not having a steering wheel in time for practice. They miss out on practice time because uh, the car's getting painted. And just, you know, what an just an awful look for that entire team. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, that was the thing was uh, that, that I kind of judged kind of the, the scale of how to get bumped at Indy and, and look bad. Credit to Penske, they threw their cars out there when they bought them from Ray Hall in '95. They still are genuine draft colors. That you know they weren't too particular on what shade of orange the cars were. They cared about getting track time, and, and McLaren was completely the opposite. Uh, I, I could not believe 
you know, it, we, it, it did stink a little bit, obviously. I think everybody was kind of, it was pretty obvious when they lost, you know, two days of track time. It was like, where are they? Hooncoast Racing got out, and even their sister car, Carlin Racing, with Pato Award, was able to get out in, in less than one day, uh, and they were not unable to. And when you discovered the reason, it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's going be, to go down as one of the, the most infamous stories in Indy 500 history, and especially because they got bumped by a team which had no money and lost both their sponsors. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's an unbelievable story. It is an unbelievable story, and just, you know, oh, man, just an awful, awful uh, set of circumstances going on over there. Um, and like you said, you know, I, I, I talked with Steve Zaki earlier in the show and, uh, talked with Dennis Michelson as well. Now, you know, obviously Memorial day, Sunday, the biggest day in auto racing F1 at Monaco, Indy 500 world 600 for NASCAR. Uh, this is probably the fifth to eight, eight years in a row now where the Indy 500 completely blows the doors off as far as excitement and uh, and just entertainment value over NASCAR, I'm starting to think that NASCAR might have to move their race to either Saturday or Monday because they constantly get embarrassed on the biggest stage, on the biggest night in auto racing. Uh, you know, when you have the back and forth uh, passing for the lead, coming down the last five laps of the greatest race in, in racing, uh, like that happened in, in Indianapolis, there is no way NASCAR can sit there and follow that up and, and compete on a level playing field. And if you just look at it, take the racing for the lead out of it. The, the 500 was night and day more exciting than the 600 that night. And it's been going on for years, David. Well, there's been some fascinating talk about that uh, in kind of the aftermath of this, because um I'm sure you're aware at this point that there's been a lot of talk about uh, NASCAR and IndyCar working together, uh, possibly on an event, a doubleheader somewhere. Uh, And now even recently, more people are starting to float the idea of moving the 600 or some people are suggesting moving the 500, which uh, quite rightly has been laughed off, uh, to try to encourage drivers to do the double, do both the 600 and 500. And the thing that I would put forward on some of this uh, cooperation between NASCAR or this proposed cooperation between NASCAR and IndyCar is that, you know, when IndyCar was kind of in the position that NASCAR is in, uh, NASCAR was not extending a helping hand to IndyCar very much. So I I, I just kind of find it funny that when the shoe is on the other foot, NASCAR is the one kind of holding their hand out and saying, uh, please help us, IndyCar, work with us, we need some help. Yeah, yeah, how the times have changed, how the times have changed. Uh, One of the good things about that NASCAR race is that finally, after weeks and weeks and a couple years now of sitting there and watching watching NASCAR and, and these races in front of you know, if I say half full stands, that's that's very generous. It was nice to see that they actually had uh, a heck of a crowd out there. So at least they had that going for them and that the drivers were able to put on a show in front of a packed house. But um, what was your take on Simon Pagano and, and his four-legged buddy kind of stealing the show in victory lane? 
Well, there always seems to be something. There's always some sort of a funny thing that the winners seem to do these days that kind of steals the headlines. And uh, this year it was the dog, uh, Norman Paginot. You know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I would prefer that uh, that doesn't become a tradition to bring your dog into victory lane. Um, but from a marketing promotional standpoint, uh, I think that's, that's a good thing for the sport to have a driver associated with a furry friend. Uh, I think that will probably help some of the more casual people. They will remember Simon Paginot as the guy with the dog. So uh, even if it's a bit goofy for some of us hardcore fans, I think overall it's a good thing. All right. Well, I think it's just a matter of time. If people are still going to bring their pets, uh, before they figure out a way to start putting their sponsor hats on the pets, uh, the, uh, little uh, little Fluffy is going to be wearing a fire suit uh, pretty much, you know, with the sponsors tagged all over it and everything like that. And uh, it's going to get outrageous real quick, David. I want to see someone bring a goldfish uh, to Victory Lane. See, now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> and I, I'm not a dog guy, so, you know, it. Uh, I don't know. It was just, to me, it was just weird. But, uh, but yeah, one hell of a race. Simon Pagano sweeps the month of May in Indianapolis, wins the pole, wins the 500, wins the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. I was kind of shocked because uh, when he was battling with Rossi, the commentators were saying, you know, race win, possibly uh, ride-saving win, career-saving win for Pagano. Was it that was he in that dire of straits going into the 500? If you listen to Roger Penske, he wasn't. And um, and I think that there's been a little bit of hyperbole associated with Simon Pagano and his job security. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, and not wrong, by the way, to look at uh, Alexander Rossi being hired by Penske to run the endurance races on the sports car side of things. Uh as a potential uh, future landing spot for Alexander Rossi. Uh, and I think that still could happen. There's nothing stopping Roger Penske from entering four cars full-time uh, if he wanted to hire Alexander Rossi. But, uh, you know, I, Roger hired Simon Paginot. And just a couple years ago, Paginot was winning championships for, for Roger. So uh, it, it doesn't really surprise me to see him kind of have a career renaissance. I think it took him a little while to get to grips with the new Universal Aero kit. Um, but it's pretty clear that now he is uh, has gotten to grips with it. Uh, the wins are coming very quickly, and it looks like he's going to be a championship contender. And in this monkey off his back by winning the 500, uh, he may be an Indy 500 winner uh, multiple times as well. So I, I think his career is now uh, safe if there was any question uh, uh, that he wouldn't be. Yeah. Well, it uh, you know, and it's funny how, Obviously, his schedule was absolutely insane after winning the 500, and uh, you basically travel all over the country doing appearances and everything like that. And uh, six short days later, you got to get right back in that race car and do dual one of two in Detroit. And uh, Simon Pagano, you know, he qualified uh, 12th in uh, today's race, 13th in tomorrow. So it uh, he might be paying the price for all the uh, all the promotional things after the 500. Yeah, that is one of the things that um, that I'd like to see IndyCar take a look at at some point is the schedule. Uh, I don't know if they should move Detroit or put another race there. Hey, maybe one in Milwaukee. Uh, but uh, hello, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, but. Uh, I, 
I don't know. Uh, th- but, you know, thinking back into the past, there have been some drivers who have had successes in Detroit after the fi- winning the 500. I just think about a couple years ago when Takuma Sato was on the pole in Detroit after running that uh, marathon of uh, media appearances. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see in the race how Pagano performs. Uh, but it is, it is definitely an endurance test to do a 500-mile race, win it, and then uh, do all that media appearances. And then, oh, yeah, you've got to go to one of the, you know, the most demanding street circuits and run two races in one weekend. Yeah. Who, who shocked you with the way that they ran at Indianapolis? Was, you know, was Santino it like? Ferrucci. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Santino Ferrucci. That, uh, you know, uh, it didn't shock me uh, that that he ran that well, uh, because I think if uh, if you had paid attention during the month of May, it was clear that he was very fast and very aggressive. Um, but I think it was kind of the Carlos Munoz effect uh, from a couple of years ago. You may remember that everybody thought Carlos Munoz was crazy and he was very fast, but he was going to stick it in the wall. And then when he got to the race, he was just fine and he finished second. Um, and this was quite the same thing. Santino just drove a fantastic race. Uh, he looked very good. He was the highest of his teammates. He beat Bordet. He beat uh, James Davison, and neither of them are slouches, I don't think. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was it's great. Uh, it was great to see, and uh, and he made some amazing moves to avoid that big wreck in turn three. Um, and he, again, he just you know he just was there at the end, and he drove about as well as you could as a rookie. Uh, you know, and, and it's kind of nice to see uh, him have a bit of a career renaissance after the way he kind of uh, exited Formula Two last year. So, uh, you know, I, I, it's good to kind of see that redemption story. And um, he definitely looks like a guy who may end up uh, winning a race uh, in the near future if he sticks with Dale Coin Racing. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Uh, any chance you can stick around for one more segment here, David? I believe I could. All right, fantastic. We got to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll have more with YouTube sensation David Land. You're uh, buckled up with the final inspection show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. Can't keep this guy on hold too long. YouTube sensation. Absolute sensation. David Land. Subscribe to his channel. It is uh, titled uh, David Land. And uh, very easy to spell. Very easy to remember. So, uh, David, welcome back. Now, it's kind of funny that uh, you got the dual races going on in IndyCar this weekend. The same weekend that NASCAR is uh, racing the trick, tricky triangle at Pocono when next season they're going to steal IndyCar's idea and run a dual weekend at Pocono. So instead of having two races about, uh, you know, four weeks apart, both at Pocono, they're going to combine it into one weekend. What do you think about NASCAR uh, doing the combined weekend next season? Well, you know, when I heard it announced, I was a little bit concerned for Pocono's revenue uh, because, of course, they are one of the last independent tracks on the NASCAR schedule. And essentially, they're losing a date, even though they're not really. Um, So I I was a little bit concerned about that. 
Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I don't think they've announced race distances yet, though I would be very concerned if they're going to run two 400-mile races back-to-back. I think that could get very tedious very quickly. Um, I don't know. It, it could be interesting, but I'm, I'm having a feeling it's not going to be that that spectacular just because it's Pocono, and unfortunately Pocono just uh, just doesn't really – do it for nascar does it at least these days no it sure doesn't uh we were talking with uh um michael dennis michelson about it and how you know pocono is i don't know too many you know i guess there's people out there that just absolutely love pocono uh i am definitely not in that uh category Uh, i will be sitting there probably pouring just pot after pot of coffee trying to stay awake through that race. I find it extremely boring. But maybe with this new package, we'll see, and something will happen. But uh, I I don't know. So I'm thankful that they're going to load it all in one weekend, and then that way, you know, I have one boring weekend, and, uh, and, I, and I get it out of the way. But, yeah, I don't think there's any way that they can keep them both at 400 miles either. You know, maybe have a 400 and a 250, maybe have two 300-milers. Something like that, but they've they definitely need to shorten it. Yeah, and, and speaking of shorten, I think one of the things that NASCAR was thinking was, you know, kind of listening to some of the criticism that that many of people, including myself, have made of them, is that their schedule is too damn long. So I think uh, I think them taking a weekend out but not losing a, a an event, so to speak, uh, was a was a good solution. Uh, short term to kind of make the schedule end a little bit earlier in the year to keep got to keep people interested i agree i agree that the schedule is too long i like the way that they're doing it with the duel uh you know to save a week i think that uh there needs to be uh, at least two to four midweek races where you can shave a month off the schedule as well one of the things i love about nascar is that Every single week, with the exception of maybe three weeks during the entire season, and they run basically nine months uh, strong, is that there's a race every single every single week for about nine months long. And I think that for me, because I'm a bigger NASCAR fan than I am IndyCar fan, I think that sometimes IndyCar takes way too long of a break in between races where I kind of forget that they're even running and uh you know it's not that i lose my interest but i just it moves to the back burner do you think indycar needs to do anything to their schedule or do you like it the way it is they need to space it out better i think to your point uh there are two large of gaps in between some of the races but at the same time, I think there are too many races in a row at some points in the calendar. I mean, the teams right now, I think uh, the, they're in kind of a death march right now. Indy GP, Indy 500 qualifying, Indy 500, two races in Detroit, Texas. I think they go to Road America afterwards without a break. So, um, you know, I, I, I think you could probably stick at least one week in between, maybe move one of the races in between the break uh, between, I think it's Pocono and uh, and Gateway. There's a really large gap in the schedule, which I wish would uh, they would kind of fix. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they, I don't think they have a very good uh, gap in the schedule right now, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If they space it out, and you know, and I'm all for uh, them getting a week off after the Indy 500. You know, I think that 
for them to sit there and spend a month straight, and those guys are working their tails off down there trying to squeeze every single tenth of horsepower out of their equipment, that, you know, it definitely would not, I don't think it would be a bad thing to take this week off. The fact that, you know, like you said, you sit there and, you know, you got that entire month of doing nothing but just busting your tail, and now all of a sudden you got two races back-to-back the very next weekend. That's that's an exhausting schedule for anybody. And, uh, you know, at least the good thing is is that Indy and Detroit aren't that far away from each other. You know, it's a hell of a lot better than Indianapolis, and then they're going out to race in California somewhere. But uh, but that's still it, – it's a brutal stretch for IndyCar right now. Well, even then, some of the scheduling is, is kind of weird because I think they go to they go to uh, Portland and the, or at least last year they went to Portland, then they went back they went to Gateway and then they went back out to California. <laughs> Why not reschedule the East Coast race to be uh, you know away from the West Coast or at least you know synchronize the West Coast races so the teams don't have to go back and forth between Indianapolis. It's just some of the some of the scheduling things are a little bit weird from that perspective. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, since we're talking about uh, the dual races in Detroit, uh, why don't you take your best stab? Who's going to win today? Today, well, I think I think it's going to be Rossi, and I think it's he's going to make it pretty boring. Unless there's a yellow that catches him out in terms of uh, pit strategy, I think Rossi's probably going to run away with it. Race two, that's where things kind of get interesting because you've got the fatigue element. You've got the potential uh, for all sorts of calamity to happen. I think it's also going to rain in Detroit. Uh, Well, maybe that might change things today. Actually, let me change my pick. Well, I'm going to pick Rossi for Sunday, and um, let's go really out on it. Let's say Ferrucci. Let's say Ferrucci today. Uh, He's usually pretty good in the rain, uh, and and Dale Coyne's always good on strategy. So uh, we'll say Ferrucci. We'll we'll go way out on a limb today and say Ferrucci. Santino's going to win. Yeah, that's one hell of a limb considering he starts 22nd today, but I like it. I like it. Uh, who do you got winning Pocono tomorrow? Oh, that's that's always a, a fun one, isn't it? Uh, I, I got a bit of a feeling about Boyer. Uh, Boyer seems to be on a bit of a hot streak at the moment. Um, but at the same time, I think Kyle Busch really has the flat two-and-a-half-mile tracks dialed in. Uh, maybe Brad Keselowski too, uh, but I think Kyle's probably the one I would pick. Yeah, that's a safe bet. I, uh, I've learned early this season, stay away from Stuart Haas. I think they're cursed this year. Haven't sniffed victory lane once. And, uh, you know, the drought keeps getting longer and longer. So with the team that dominated, you know, Harvick won what eight races last season, uh, Boyer found victory lane. They all did. And, uh, for them to be struggling like they are and have uh, zero wins so far. That, uh, oh, how the mighty have fallen, David. So, <laughs> makes uh, makes for interesting storylines coming down the stretch here. What's the latest going on at your YouTube channel? Well, I took a little bit of a vacation after the 500, but we're going to be getting back to it. If you're watching the duel in Detroit, uh, both uh, today and tomorrow, I'll be having videos uh, kind of discussing what happened in those races. So if you want to hear some additional analysis, that's where you should be headed. And I've got plenty of more content coming. This is this is when things get really exciting because it's the summertime. We've got the 24 hours of Le Mans coming up. So I should have some cover to that event, event as well. Won't be flying there. Uh, maybe next year. But, uh, yeah, uh, you should have a lot of fun stuff in June, July. Uh, lots of racing to cover.
Yeah, well, you do a fantastic job. I, I love what you do and the videos that you post. And uh, just you're very knowledgeable. And I don't uh, I'm not saying that just to kiss your butt because you're on the show. It uh, it's great what you do. And uh, everybody, you should check him out. David Land on YouTube. Like his channel, follow him, watch those videos. It uh, You'll only get smarter. So great job, David. Thank you so much for taking some time to join the show today. I appreciate it. And I appreciate that shout-out, Jeff. It means a lot to me. Uh, I actually got to meet a whole lot of uh, my viewers at Indianapolis, and it's just humbling sometimes uh, to hear words like that that are so kind. So thank you. Well, yeah, I saw, you know, uh, I think you posted it on uh, Facebook or uh, or Twitter. And, uh, you know, you had a bunch of a bunch of guys uh, all hanging out with you. And that's great, man, to sit there and, you know, feel the love from the people that, that check you out every week. And, uh, you know, you're a man of the people. You're you're one of us. And uh, and that's good stuff. Keep it up. And uh, thank you again. And we'll talk to you soon, David. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Jeff. All right. Enjoy Detroit. That was David Land. He joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further. Call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank. They provide simply local, common-sense lending to your community since the great year of 1935. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.